Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Science of Pokemon. I'm Professor Collins, and with me today is Veteran Lucas. W wait a minute. Professor, that, that's my line. That's my job. What are you doing? Well, Veteran Lucas, today I'm going to take the reins, and we'll be spending our episode doing some social sciences. Yay! We'll be digging into the influences and culture that created... Unova. Unova? Unova? Unova. Unova. Ugh, social science is the weakest of the science. Wasn't Gen... Wasn't Gen 5 just a remake of Gen 1? Well, yes, yeah, somewhat, that's true. But there's so much more to this game. This game has such deep roots in, into one of the most recognizable metropolitan regions on the planet. So I think we should play homage to that and talk about how much work truly did go into Unova. Well, it sounds like Unova. What's going on? Ha 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 ha. Cue the music. Okay, so <laughs> I'm really excited because I, I kind of want to give a shout out to Game Freak here, which I, I'm not one to do. Um, I, I especially hate their marketing team, but there's a lot of work that goes into these games, um, especially with the research into um, the geography as well as the culture. And I remember watching, um, oh god, I think it was the fifth Pokemon movie, Pokemon Heroes. Um, one of the extras on the end of the movie is them going to um, to Venice and researching the area for the movie. And you see that wow. some of the building, yeah, some of the buildings, um, some of the the canals are exact replicas of locations in Venice. And so that culture too was taken into the the daily life of the pe the characters existing in that movie. And so I always knew that there was some notice of detail, but I didn't think just how much it was until we started doing research on this episode. So the first thing I want to say is that every region is clearly based on a geographically recognizable location. Even Or, if you don't believe us, go look it up. We were both laughing when we found out what Or is. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, <laughs> that <is> fun. <laughs> Um, they all are based on an actual location, which is kind of cool. So, the Kanto, and this is where it gets really great. Ooh, ooh, tell me. The Kanto is actually just based on, okay, wait for it, the Kanto region. <gasps> Shock and awe. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Kanto region in Gen 1 is based on the actual Kanto region in, in real life. It's, that's the name of the region where you would find things like Tokyo. Um... Which is why you find so many big cities in this game. Um, it, and, and you may go, well, you know, we got big cities in Gen 6. Yeah, but uh, thinking about a game, you know, especially with this quality of graphics, comparative to especially to Gen 2 and Gen 3, there's a lot more big cities in Kanto. Yeah, there are. And that ties in. It does. And it ties into the highly dense, highly populated areas in the actual Kanto region, which is kind of cool. Um, now, Johto is based on the, uh, the Kansai region. And I'm sorry if I pronounce things wrong again. If you listen to our second episode, <laughs> I only speak English, um, so I will butcher every pronunciation, even English words, and I apologize. Um, now, the city of Nara uh, inspired Violet Cities. We were looking at pictures of it here, which we thought was really cool. Um, and I remember when we were doing research for this episode, I, we were looking at pictures, and I said, man, it's like, it's like someone built the buildings from Violet City in the real world. That's how how close attention to the detail is the the way the shingles fall the way the floors are lined up everything is, is meticulously planned out yeah that comes from a group of people who really care about the material especially when it's your own culture and that goes into gen 3 and 4 when we did research we looked at the hoenn and Sinnoh region as well and um hoenn 
is based off Kyushu, which is the bottom island of Japan, of the three major islands. All they did to fix it now, this is just as inspiring as the Kanto reason, they took it and rotated it 90 degrees and said, don't tell anyone. <laughs> we turned it a little bit. They won't recognize at all. Are, most of these people are Americans. They don't even know what Japan looks like. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's terrible. It, it, it's so true, but terrible. But then the Sinnoh region, um, they, they pretty much kept it the same. No twisting or turning. They renamed it, but it's based off the highest, the northern island, Hokkaido. Hokkaido? Yes, Hokkaido. I know it. Hokkaido. 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 And, Hokkaido. And after that, though, that's when they um, uh, that's when they stopped using Japanese location. That was the last true Japanese location. Well, you have, I mean, you, at that point, you had the southernmost tip and the northernmost tip, and two of the more recognizable and um, memorable regions of the mainland. So, uh, you know, it definitely, it's pretty great. You know, um, what, what, would we, would we... Are there still other parts of Japan that'd be cool to explore? Yeah. But, uh, hey, I still got my fingers crossed, man. We're Gen 8. Spain. Spain. Gen 8. Come on, guys. We need to go to Spain. Brazil. 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 Um, oh, that'd be cool, too. So, anyways, uh, ooh, no, don't say that, because then we'll get stuck with all those, like, lush jungles, and I hated the lush jungles. Oh, we, we will get to um, that, anyway. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, jumping over. So Gen 5, Unova is clearly the New York metropolitan area. If, if you can't tell by just looking at it, um, when we give some descriptions of, of Unova and we talk about the locations and where they tie to, you'll, you'll, things will start clicking. Kalos is pretty clearly France. Um, if, if the grass gym leader <laughs> looking exactly like a French countryside, like a vineyard or farmer worker, um, I'm not sure what what did give it away, or you know the fact that the Eiffel Tower's there. Yeah, I don't. Uh, what what that, else can uh, they do? <laughs> no, no. Let's give everyone a little a baguette, a beret. Have everyone smoke. Um, I don't know what other stereotypes can we throw in to get hated by the French? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and Alola is very clearly Hawaii. Uh, if you take the four large islands, it's it's literally a copy and paste, um, which is cool. I have to say it's really cool. I, 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 especially with this past game, I was so excited with the introduction of the surfing. Whether you like the mini game or not, um, it just it was a cool homage to culture out there. And I like the fact that we finally get to travel between large islands, which I thought was something that I've been hoping for us to get to do for a long time. So. I think that's cool. Yeah, that was cool. I like that part too. Um, so anyways, let's talk about the cultural aspects though, because each of these regions, as we said, they really did a lot of research here, not just on geography, but the cultural practices of these regions. And so the games, the, the regions actually really closely reflect uh, beliefs, customs of these regions in the real world. So Kanto is like the world's technological hub. I mean, it's Tokyo. Mm -hmm. It's it's like one of the most advanced cities on the planet, if not the most. And it's reflected in the look of the cities and the buildings. Um, on top of that, you get locations like Pokemon Lab on the center of our island, or the power plant. These are clear, clear ties in, into the technological advancement of this area compared to other parts of Japan. And again, I'm not trying to pick on anyone in Japan. I have lots of friends in Japan. Um, I'm just saying, like, looking at it from a very uh, black and white perspective, I guess. Very uh, uh, subjective. Mm -hmm. Or objective. 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 Man, I'm tired. Sorry, man. Chasing, chasing a kid all day. I am tired. It's all good, dude. Um, so, <laughs> it's all great. Uh, Johto, though, is the Kansai, uh, as we said. 
And the residents are known for their appreciation of, of traditional Japanese standards, which really does tie into uh, Johto. If you think about the kimono girls, um, all of the religious and cultural kind of backstory that went into Johto that wasn't present in, in Kanto. Um, you know, the whole talk about Ho'o and the bell tower and it really does tie into the, the the attitude that region has as a whole, which I thought was really cool. Nice. You know, and the Hoenn and Sinnoh region also did the same, just with their own cultures. Um, with the island that Hoenn is based on, that place is a volcanic hotbed. That place has always had high amounts of volcanic activity compared to the rest of the country. But that also means hot springs. So they put hot springs, they put the volcanoes in the game. They made it a more coastal area because that area is more connected with the ocean than other areas. Uh, with Sinnoh, it's almost the polar opposite. Um, with Sinnoh, that place is cold. Like, even if it's not always snow there, <laughs> you just feel it. Like, in Black and White 2, they gave you, oh, here's your normal uniform. It's a sweater. Like, it is freezing there. And that shows up there, because there are mountains, there are colder climates up there. And You mean Platinum. Platinum, yes. You said Black, black and White 2. Platinum. Thank you, Platinum. Platinum. Yes, it is in Platinum. My bad. No, yeah, because... But the, the Dawn character got the heavily winter coat. Yeah, exactly. And they even brought back the skiing trainer trainer in a gener from Generation 2. They brought them back and they introduced them to the game because it is a colder climate. There's lots of mountains. And it really is cool to see how, not just from a cultural standpoint, but a climate standpoint, they put these games in reference to the real-world counterparts. And we'll talk uh, about it again at the end of this episode. We talked about it in the second episode about how these actual regions did reflect the type of Pokemon apparent. And, and you, know, you think about the colder region, you think of Snover right oh, away. Yeah. That's the first one I think of. Uh, and Unova, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about the cultural, though, with, with Kalos. So, again, based on France, uh, there's a big appreciation of beauty here, and the word Kalos actually ties to, like, the Greek word for for beauty, which is kind of cool. Uh, Alola, um, I just, I, I don't know, my biggest cultural tie here is Alola and Aloha uh, both mean hello and goodbye, and they're pretty much the exact same word. Yay! Um, if you do want to know more about Alola and the cultural uh, connections, uh, listen to the second episode. We, we did a lot on uh, ancient Hawaiian religions and uh, kind of their their connections to the Pokemon games, which was actually really cool. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's an appreciation not only of the geography and reckon recognizing the geography, but also um, the culture as well. All right, now before we get anywhere deeper into this, I do want to talk about the three regions that weren't based in Japan, um, Unova, Kalos, and Alola. Now, it may seem like they picked these places almost at random. I mean, United States, uh, mainland, France, Hawaii, but these areas have a very big impact in Japan because these are some of the biggest tourist locations and sometimes even second home to many of the people in Japan. And one of the coolest things to know is that these areas are some of the highest densities of Japanese people living there or some of the highest places that Japanese people go to visit. With New York City, a lot of Japanese tourists go there. With Hawaii, a lot of people live their lives there. Um, in fact, one of the regions I bring up Brazil when it comes to my favorite place for a new region is because it has the largest population of Japanese people outside of Japan. And, most and nobody of them knows not. that. I did, and they're not allowed to come back, some of them. Japan, well, no, Japan has very strict laws on 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 um, nationalizing. You, you can't be a citizen unless you have Japanese blood. And, and mm -hmm. as people left during 
Japanese imperialism, they 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 are not allowed. Some of them, some, it's hard to come back, from my understanding. Trust me, as a Brazilian citizen, I can tell you right now that there's nothing weirder than trying to mix the extrovert personality of Brazil <laughs> with the introvert personality of Japan culture. It is a very weird combination. Uh, I hope you're wrong, though. We we need to go to Spain. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna leave it there. Spain. We're going to Spain. All right, but um, I do want to talk about Calais a little bit because with France, it's something very unique. You see. Um, apparently in Japanese culture, people have this um, this idea of France, of the culture, the beauty, the art, the style, all of it, and they jammed it into the Kalos region. But what happens when Japanese people actually visit, they find that the people are less receptive, they don't speak the language that they do, nor do they want to learn. The area is a little bit dirtier, and everything costs more. It's overwhelming to the point that there's even a mental disorder that was created and listed Paris syndrome, which is what happens when there's such a culture. <laughs> yes, I know. I know it's la- I know you're all laughing, but it's an actual thing. Um, imagine such a culture shock where you go someplace and it's so different than what you expected that you have anxiety that everyone's persecuting you. You're just going through all this confusion and upsetting and depression and it even leads to infect such as anxiety and nausea imagine coming to someplace having to be so different and your reaction is to throw up only in japan <laughs> i'm gonna leave it at that only in japan are you just going to say huh this place is what i expected that that uh anime tropes um <laughs> so <laughs> anime tropes Anyways, uh, so we wanted to uh, put a shout out there. Today's episode was brought to you uh, by the voters, for the voters, and with the will of the voters. Uh, as we've said before, you know, please head to our, our Facebook group and our, our Facebook page. Uh, we do take votes on what episodes we're going to do. Um, you know, you guys said you wanted to hear us talk about Unova, Unova, Inova? <laughs> we Nova. We Nova. Um, so we're going to take a look at the first non-Japanese region that was influenced by American culture. And there's a lot of little Easter eggs here in this game, so I, I think you'll be surprised. All right, let's check it out. Okay, so we're going to go as quick as we can here, but we have a lot we want to go through. Um, let's talk oh, yeah. about, like, really what we see in this game. And we did a lot of research on this, and we spent several... We spent a while working on this. The biggest thing to me, as someone who loves New York City, I mean, it's, it's as I said, I live in Ohio, but New York City is my favorite place to travel to. It is my absolute favorite. And looking at the map of Unova, it, it, like, it just stood out to me like right away as like, oh my gosh, that's New York City. Just the, the way that the region is shaped. I mean, you got Brooklyn and the Bronx, uh, you know, you got you got Jersey, you got Manhattan. I mean, everything just is perfect where it needs to be, and even down to the way the rivers flow. Uh, you know, because you have the East River, you have the Hudson River. Um, there's even a point on the official game art of Unova, or the official like box art or whatever, where there's a small island that breaks into what would be Manhattan, which actually does happen off of the East River connecting down to the Hudson, which, I mean, so like these little nods to detail, um, the locations of the three islands are similar to the location of the three islands south of Manhattan. Impressive. You know, yeah, I mean, it's it's very dead on, I mean, minus clearly the desert, because there's clearly no desert in New York City. Every Pokemon yeah. game needs a desert. Why not throw it in the middle of Manhattan? Who are you to judge? Why not? I guess you're right. You know, we'll just plop a... A desert there. Yeah, okay. 
<laughs> Anyways, let's talk about uh, Castilia City, though. This mm-hmm. is very clearly the financial district, Lower Manhattan. This is where the Twin Towers used to be, or what's known as Liberty Tower now. Um, you know, Wall Street. This is that part of New York City. Now, Castilia City, uh, as a whole, while the location is is homage to one of the more wealthier parts of Manhattan, the design itself really does reflect on New York very well. Um, how tall the buildings are, how you are unable to see the the top. I mean, they could have gone, you know, hey, these are like five-story tall buildings, but these are like impossibly. Um, not a single one of those buildings in that in that game that's like, oh yeah, this building has a hundred floors. Do you want to go to all of them? Because that was so cool as a kid. Like when you were a kid, like, and you're looking at the trailer for Generation Five, like. This was the biggest Pokemon ever felt to you, not just with the number of Pokemon they were going to add, but like with how big the cities were, how wide are. Like, I still remember going across some of the bridges just to go and see the city. I was like, I get to explore all of this? That was so cool. Yeah, and well, and what I would say is that's definitely for anyone who visits. That's how a lot of uh, tourists feel when you're in New York, you know? Just looking up and looking how big these, these skyscrapers are and just this overwhelming feeling you know just at the sheer magnitude of it all which which is really cool and i think that they did a great uh little nod to that what i will say though is the castilia city harbor is actually reflective of battery park which is the the, in the harbor section of lower manhattan battery park is actually where, where you can hop a ferry over to liberty island and guess what is liberty island Liberty Garden is like the exact location of Liberty oh, Island. Pokemon always using the brush of subtlety to paint such a brilliant canvas. <laughs> um, what does Liberty Island have? The Statue of Liberty. What does Liberty Garden Liberty Garden have? It has that big. Um, it was like a shrine. Yeah. I mean, the same kind of idea. Yeah, and you get that that fire. Yeah, Victini. That that was a that was a fun Pokemon. It's a demon. But yeah, I know it just the, the fact that Castilia City Harbor it really does reflect on Battery Park and this harbor, which, you know, if you don't know, this is the uh, this is the harbor where they shipped people off Manhattan during September 11th. So this is like you know a real location with historic significance. Yeah, and I mean, I'm a guy from Florida. Like I barely know anything about New York City aside from what sitcoms and movies have told me. And the one thing they have told me is that New York has subways, and this game has plenty of subways to them. In fact, you just fight on the subways. Like I don't know how relative that is to the real New York, but in the subways you just beat down people or get beaten up. Is that how New York works? Um, you know, it just makes me think of the Warriors. That's all I think of is 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 the, the fighting on the subway. Um, literally, that's uh, nothing like a good beating before you go home <laughs> to visit your family. You're like, oh, let's 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 yeah, fight. Just, let's just pick a fight. I, I just needed to go to Midtown to grab a sandwich, but now I'll beat you up. <laughs> Alright, so back to locations. Um, Sky Arrow Bridge is actually the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, it, it, like, if you look at it, the design, the shape, the structure, it, it's it's the Brooklyn Bridge, which is I'll be sweet. honest, I completely forgot the name was Sky Arrow Bridge. I just called it the bridge I hatched my eggs on. <laughs> yeah, the egg hatching bridge. bridge. Uh, we all did that, we're not gonna lie. <laughs> now, uh, Nuvama is actually... Um, Coney Island, which is kind of cool, um, just because the kind of cultural differences there that you see between Coney Island and like we would with Manhattan and Nuvama with the rest of the like, the region. 
now here's where it gets cool is Nimbasa City. Nimbasa City is located in what would be Midtown Manhattan. You know, your, uh, your Times Square, your uh, Rockefeller, uh, Madison. And so some of these locations, while at first glance you're like, yeah, okay, they just kind of threw it in. Seeing how many other little Easter eggs are in this game, especially when we talk about the Pokemon here a little bit, I don't think they just like threw them in. I'm pretty sure some of this stuff was intentional. The Ferris wheel is pretty closely located to what would be... I mean, that whole area is pretty close to like that, what we just mentioned. And what is in Times Square? Oh, a Ferris wheel inside of a Toys R Us. And what do you have in Nimbasa City? Oh, a Ferris wheel. Yes, it's a creepy Ferris wheel that people ride with you, but it's still a Ferris wheel. That's a really minute detail to add. It's one thing to add entire sections of the city, but just a random Ferris wheel in the city. Is the Ferris wheel even that famous? Well, uh, I mean, if you're if you're like a tourist, if you're a Japanese tourist, you'd, you'd <gasps> Ferris <be> wheel <laughs> inside of a toy store. Yay! You can ride on. Um, <laughs> the sports stadium too. It makes me think of you know this homage and nod to Madison Square Garden. So I, I just I genuinely think that a lot of these these decisions were very purposeful. Yeah, but again, sometimes they take that subtlety and just throw it right out the window because there is a big park in the center of all of the continent called Entrelink. What do we know about New York that has a park that's central to its core? Hmm. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. What? I know. It's Battery Park. It's Battery Park. <laughs> you are quite literally the worst. But no, it's um, it's interesting. It's interesting to have an actual park like built into the game, like because it is a major aspect of New York, and you're meeting all these crazy random new Pokemon. And I'm pretty sure that's where the Central Park Zoo is. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm sure it's in the name, but yeah, it's it, 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 that's yeah, it's like right there. Which is you're right. It's cool to think about that the. One of the areas in New York City where you can see foreign animals is where you can see foreign Pokemon. Yeah, it, it's like they, they maybe planned these things thought. I thought they just threw together the, the worst designs that everyone could come up with because Gen 1 was the best generation. Well, Pokemon Company International and Game Freak, while your marketing team is terrible and, and I hate your merchandise team, uh, you clearly you guys know your stuff when it comes to your research. Uh, continuing on though, uh, Unity Tower is like the exact location of the United Nations building, which is kind of funny too. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. So, Burbank City, mm -hmm. let's talk about it real quick. Um, Burbank City, if anyone's not familiar, if you were like me and gave up in the middle of Black and White 2, uh, Burbank City is the poison city in, in uh, Black 2, White 2. It's where it's, it's very dirty. Uh, the gym leader likes slime and sludge and garbage Pokemon. And it's actually located in Jersey City. Of course it is. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? So, and, like, uh, New Jersey is the butt so, of the joke on the other side of the planet. Other side of the world, yeah. Uh, all I could think of was SNL. Uh, uh, Fred Armisen, there was an old sketch where he played uh, Governor David uh, Pearson. And he's just like, Jersey! They make jokes about it being dirty, and that's all I can think of that the rest of the world now thinks of New Jersey. <laughs> Please, New Jersey, I'm sorry, I do love you. I've visited you, visited you several times. You, you are a lovely state, but 
<laughs> I just thought that that was really New strange. Jersey, as the person from the second joke stake, Florida, keep up the good work. All right, now, we, we talked about a bit of some of the locations, but I also want to bring up some of the trainers that they added. Um, For starters, we got the lineback trainer. Now, what other region are they going to put a football player, like a burka trainer, get on in there and tackle that young, small, 10-year-old playing with his animals? That That's definitely going to be a thing you do. <laughs> but then you also have the dancers, like... We mentioned in Yoda they had the Komodo dancers, but in this one they added break dancers, street dancers. This is a real cultural part of New York. The people you could find dancing out there in some of the honestly, in my, some of my favorite dancing that you'll find in the world can be found in some of the streets of these major cities because these people put their heart and soul into it. Yeah, um, and you know, and I also thought about the fact that those dancers are what introduced us to oh, triple battle. Yeah, they were. I just forgot that no one ever yeah. plays triple battle. I forgot. <laughs> Don't sorry, Smoggin. We're sorry about the triple battle. Uh, we, we know that you guys do that sometimes. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, legit. Uh, I, you know, these cool cultural meshes here in the city are, are really paid to. And I'd like to talk about that. The fact that this is like the first game with major appearance of black characters. I thought that was really great. Um, I mean, Iris is some sort of... I don't know if she's Hispanic or like uh, some sort of mix or something, but I mean, even that, the fact that these these gym leaders all look different, the f you know, they, everyone in this game, in this game looks different. I thought that was just a great uh, homage into, you know, the actual, the actual location. I mean, it's such a diverse city and I thought that they did that really well in a really tasteful way. Yeah, I know. It wasn't too overplayed. It wasn't played up with all the stereotypes. It just, this is what it is. A place of many cultures, many backgrounds, and many identities. And that's something that you don't see a lot. Like, you really don't. Especially from an outsider perspective. Yeah, it, it, they did a pretty good job. Um, and even speaking of gym leaders, though, uh, while I'm thinking of, like, you know, we have, again, some of our, our first black characters, or even our Elite Four, we mm -hmm. got Marshall. You know, we, we also have uh, uh, Burke. Uh, who reminds me kind of of the village and the art lifestyle, which is a very, uh, very New York thing. I have, I have, I have a stepbrother who that's where that's where he lives, and it's it's very much in the artsy area. Um, now uh, uh, I will tie in, last and not least, um, it is not from the game, but I wanted to give a shout out to New Torque City. Oh my God, are you serious? That that's the name of a city in these games? Um, it's actually from the Genesex movie, but I had to uh, kind of give. People a shout listen out. to this podcast. If you're on your computer, look at your keyboard. Like the Y and the T are literally next to each other. They deleted one. Added one next to it. <laughs> you could have named it New Gork City, and it would have been just as relevant. Come on. <laughs> it's like if they called it. It's like if they called it New Kersey, New Mersey. Oh, we don't know what Welcome that is. Welcome to Sunny Morida. Like, come on, guys, get with it. Oh wow. I mean, I mean, we joke about the subtlety brush here, but again, the fact that they put so much time and detail into a country that's not their own—very impressive. I enjoy that. Alright, so let's get to the Pokemon. This is what people talk about. This is what I want to talk about. We're going to talk about Pokemon. But, since this is your episode, I will let you pick the first Pokemon we talked about. Yes. Gen 5 is pretty big. Yes, I'm going to talk about the fan favorite. The top OU best Pokemon of Gen 5 ever. Yes. Barathorn? Oh no, the one that no one ever complains about its design. Everyone agreed it's very thoughtful, very intricate. It's the greatest oh, no. Pokemon ever. Please don't say it. Can we say it together on three? Yes, one, one two, two, three. 
but vanilla. Liked. Uh, <laughs> come on, we're gonna talk about the ice cream Pokemon. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, clearly, clearly this 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 thing has not gotten a lot of love, and I know a lot of people have harassed it, but there is a reason for it to be in the game. So while ice cream has been around for centuries, for those of you who know anything about history, um, it does have a pretty strong connection to American history, which is pretty cool. It, it, it was served in New York as early as 1790 and became widely popular in the U.S. thanks to part our founders, you know, and a really great uh, thing to know, which I apologize for any, anyone who doesn't know metric, but Americans eat roughly 18.3 liters of ice cream each year individually. Now, I know how to solve this whole non-metric problem. Um, a liter of Coca-Cola... Uh, sorry, uh, Coca-Cola comes in two-liter bottles, so imagine drinking nine of those of ice cream. <laughs> there, that solves the problem. <laughs> so, so gross. So, and I've had friends from Japan, and um, they, my Japanese friends would always, like, when we go get ice cream, they would just be like, why is it so big? It's not that they didn't like ice cream, but that clearly America has an infatuation for ice cream that is very unique. <laughs> Unhealthy. Unhealthily delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so the Pokemon I want to talk about first is Golurk. Now, Golurk, it should be no surprise to anybody listening to this thing, because he's literally on our logo. I love Golurk. He's awesome. He's so cool. Such a fun design. The guy can fly. It's amazing. But because I loved the design so much, I decided when I was younger to look him up. And he is based on the Golem of Jewish mythology. Now, Golems have popped up here and there when it comes to fantasy genres of many varieties, but Golems are mounds of clay and stone that usually have a small bit of parchment in their mouth that give them the commands that they're going to follow. Um, they are created typically by um, Jewish mystics who are going to call them to protect them or to protect their people, to keep them safe. It's really important that this is brought into a New York City environment because New York has the largest population of Jewish American citizens in the entire nation. Like, you've been to New York, you know how large the Jewish population there is. Yeah, I mean, the Hasidic community there is essentially operates as its own uh, microcosm. I mean, it's literally operates as if it was its own city. It's so big and there's, it's so dense. It, it's pretty cool. All right, so, I mean, the next one we got to talk about is Braviary, the America bird. Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert in bird form. Braviary, like, if it's not apparent to anybody listening, go ahead and look at the design. Look at this thing. It is red, white, and blue. It has brave in the name. Its Pokedex calls it very brave and active, and it's going to fight for itself and fight for freedom. And that's a very American perspective. That's something that we are very proud of as American citizens, as we fight for freedom, we fight to be brave and courageous. So how else would you represent the United States but by making a giant red, white, and blue eagle and making him brave? I mean, I think that's an awesome homage to it without being too cynical and too crazy about it. I think it's really cool. Um, but speaking of birds, we do have one other bird to talk about, and it's the um, the starter bird of the area. We're going to talk about Pidove. Now, with Pidove, it is based off a pigeon, and if anybody's lived in any given urban environment, you know how um, most people feel about pigeons. That they are amazing. Oh, my, no, most people see them as just flying garbage rats, but they really aren't. We made them flying garbage rats by feeding them bird seed and bread, but what makes them so 
weird in the Pokemon game is they actually divert from normal sciences, and they talk about how Pidub is stupid, how it forgets commands, and you occasionally have to remind it what to do, but in reality, bitches are pretty smart. They can recognize patterns, they can solve puzzles, and we use them as messengers for Sentry. We use them in World War One. We use them partially in World War Two. These birds can travel long distances and remember where to go. I think you should give them a little more credit. They can also learn dance to musicals about the Führer. Oh, okay, so for those of you who don't understand what he just made, that's a reference to the producer. Dude, we have to remember, they're like 12-year-olds listening to this. Like, ask your parents. Springtime for Hitler. Go look it up. It's a, it's a wonderful song. Look it up if you're over 13. It's wonderful, wonderful musical. Get culture. And, and the remake remake has Will Ferrell. There you go. It does have Will. Yeah, it is really. And, oh, my God. He's amazing. And Nathan Lane. It's a great movie. Oh, nice. See, we're branching out of our podcast. We're talking about movie and film. Who knows where we'll end up? Uh, Now, before before we wrap up, before we get to the ending, I want to give a shout-out to somebody. And I want to give that shout-out to a man by the name of James Turner. I I hope he listens to this one day. Um, James is from the UK, and he is the first, and as of this recording, still the only Western designer to ever be allowed to design Pokemon for games. Over 20 years of these games, and a handful of people selected with this, let's face it, this honor to design for such a large franchise, and it's this one guy from Britain who gets it. He, he first got to start in Pokemon Coliseum, and he even designed Dark Lugia. He was the one who created that whole concept art, and from there, he designed 12 of the Pokemon that went into black and white. He designed the Vanillite line, the Golurk line, and the Mandibuzz line. That's, to me, incredible. He's designed for all the other generations since, in one way or another. And I think it's important to recognize that, because this is the first game taking place in a Western setting. And I think it's really cool to have somebody from that Western setting, that Western perspective. I don't think someone from Hokido would have that same perspective of Jewish culture as someone from Western culture. I don't think somebody who um, uh, lived in Tokyo their whole life would ever be able to fully appreciate how cool and amazing some of these um, natural animals or these fantasy creatures from other cultures can be. And I think that's really cool to let that diversity into this usually very introverted culture. And on that note, I think it's time to go ahead and wrap it up. Alright guys, so that wraps up another episode of uh, the Science Podcast. We want to thank you guys so much for listening in. This was definitely a different episode and we love doing this different bit of research. Um, we do have a Twitter. Um, like any good podcast, we want to listen to you guys. So it's at Pokemon Science. Go ahead and look us up and drop suggestions. Say hi. Give us some weird animal you want us to talk about that should be a Pokemon. We love that stuff. And I cannot wait to hear what you guys have to say about us. So I, on the other hand, will be avoiding uh, Twitter like the plague. However, uh, if you would like to subscribe to us on Podbean or iTunes, I would thoroughly appreciate it. Uh, We appreciate the support. And if you'd like to share the podcast, too, uh, we'd appreciate that as well. Thank you. We want, you know, we want to know that people are listening. Thank you. Now, if you feel like giving a more detailed message, something bigger than a Twitter or Facebook post can hold, we do have an email, uh, pokescience at yahoo.com. Just go ahead and look us up there. Send us a message. Um, we, again, want to hear from you in any way we can. And if you are not an 85-year-old grandmother, you can also find us on Facebook. We have the Pokey Science page or the Science of Pokemon group on Facebook as well, which is facebook.com slash group slash science of Pokemon. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great rest of your day or night. See you next time.
Thank you.